Welcome to Trainers Talking Truths. This is an ISSA podcast dedicated to exploring the fitness industry and uncovering the whys and hows of personal training. To do that, we'll talk directly to the industry experts and certified trainers. We'll dig into fitness programming, business tactics, nutrition, and more. You'll even hear from current training clients who offer insight from the other side. We've got the fitness industry covered, so turn up the volume and enjoy the drive. Hello, world. Welcome back for another ISSA podcast, Trainers Talking Truths. Jenny Scott here with your co-host, Dan, the man, Duran. How are you, Dan? I am great, Jenny, and I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag because you're going to do the intro, but I am really excited about the interview we're doing today. I am too. I cannot wait for you guys to meet our new guest today. So our guest has invented, he literally invented one product that you guys have probably all used, a suspension trainer, the TRX trainer. And I'm not going to lie, I actually used one this morning. Okay. I didn't tell you guys this before. I used one this morning to help me with my reverse lunge to high knees. Okay. And then I did some deadlifts. So I did use a TRX trainer this morning, phenomenal piece of equipment, like groundbreaking. And you wouldn't think so, right? It's so simple and so easy, but he actually created this device. Um, he's the co the CEO of a, a company called outfit. So I can't wait to explain to you guys what that is. Awesome little concept that he's got going here. He's a 14-year Navy SEAL, um, an entrepreneur to his core. He has more than 30 patents to his name. We have with us, again, the inventor of the TRX trainer, Randy Hetrick. Welcome, Randy. Thank you. It's so nice to be here with you guys. And uh, I've been looking forward to this because there's nobody that I like better than the folks that are watching your show. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm psyched. I'm ready to go. And, and that's double trouble with the two of you. So uh, <laughs> I hope trouble. I brought my A game. Yeah, she's trouble. I'm. I'm. We're we're like that. The yin and yin and the yang here. I think it's the yin <laughs> and the yang. I, I'm gonna try to keep things kind of cool and mellow. Uh, Jenny's got all the energy. All right, Jenny's gonna spice it up. I will That's do my right. best to keep up. Is it? Okay? I I gotta plug it too, Jenny. I have to uh, chest press, squat to row, and hip drops on mine this morning. Oh, nice. My TRX. Yeah, that was part of my total body circuit. You guys are making my, you're making my day, you know? Yeah, I know. And I do have a TRX trainer in my garage. So I'm just saying, I was at the gym. They have one. I've got one here. Like they're everywhere, guys. I'm telling you, everybody's used a TRX trainer before. So cool. All right. So Randy, start from the beginning. How did you get from where you started to where you are now? Wow. Well, I mean, I don't think we have enough time for all of that because, you know, I, I, uh, believe it or not, I just turned 56, which is hard to believe. Just a and, baby. <laughs> and I'm realizing that I've been in this industry for two decades, which is yeah. kind of, I, I mean, it's kind of mind blowing because it seems like yesterday, literally that I blinked and was, you know, going to, to, uh, to exhibit at my first, you know, trade show, the idea world, uh, convention at the, really at the end of 2004. And I had this pathetic little 10 by 10 booth, you know, out by the bathrooms <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and this crazy door that, that, uh, that some friends and I had welded together to hang this crazy strap from that nobody had ever seen. Right. And, and, uh, and not surprisingly, you know, it took us, it took us some doing to get anybody to come over and even put hands on it. But, you know, I, Hey, I started, as you said, I, I spent a whole career as a Navy SEAL. Um, and, and in the last uh, few years of my career, 
I guess about four years before I got out to go to business school, I was on an operation that uh, was overseas and we were trying to stay in shape to climb up the side of a, of a freighter with, you know, 80 pounds of gear on your back out of a, out of a high speed assault craft. And I didn't have any way to, to train, you know, when we would leave the States in the States, we had great, incredible facilities, right? But, but SEALs and other special ops folks are basically pro athletes in uniform. And so you have, you know, stateside, you've got world-class gyms and sports scientists and everything that you, that you would expect. Then you deploy sometimes for extended periods of time and all that goes away. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we were doing a lot of that in the late nineties deploying around and, you know, sometimes operations would go, sometimes they wouldn't, but you would never know. You'd be sitting overseas waiting for, you know, a launch uh, order to come. And it was on one of those that I, I, you know, was sitting around listening to guys gripe about not being able to, you know, because you know, seals are famous uh, whiners about <laughs> they have short, they have short patience. So, um, you know, they're griping and moaning about, you know, oh, this is garbage. We're over here. We ought to be able to do our op and go home and, and um, we can't even stay in shape. Right. And that sort of struck a chord with me. And I had accidentally deployed with my old jujitsu blue belt that I'd scooped up as I was grabbing my flight suit and sticking it in my bag. And I didn't realize till I got overseas and unloaded everything. Like, what the hell did I bring this jujitsu belt? <laughs> but it turned out to be fairly uh, serendipitous because I happened to be sitting on a cot, staring at a bathroom door inside this little warehouse. And I just had this idea to tie a knot in the end of it, throw it over the bathroom door, shut the door. And then what I was trying to do, it's funny, you know, we subsequently developed a phrase for it called functional training, right? I was trying to train the motion of climbing up a caving ladder. Right. And, oh, wow. and you do that, you do that in part with your arms and in part with your legs, right? Because you get your feet in the rungs below you. Like any good climber, you should be doing most of the work with your legs. Uh-huh. But you know, you're hanging kind of backwards off this wire ladder, you know, 40, 40 feet or so over the top of a of a high-speed assault craft you do not wish to fall back down into. And um, and it's very easy to grip out to just basically run out of juice you know, halfway up this thing, depending on the height of the climb. So I was trying to come up with a thing that would allow me to basically do this motion, but to load it. And so I threw my end of my jujitsu belt over the door, closed the door, grabbed hold of it, right? And kind of leaned back. And then as I leaned back, I noticed, wow, like there's a lot of load that's created by my big ass and working against gravity, right? And so then when I pull myself up against gravity, that was the, you know, the concentric phase of the lift. And then as I would let my arm go back out and rotate away from it, that was the eccentric phase. And then you repeat, right? And then switch arms and do it. So that's why I always ask people, you know, for your folks, anybody who ever asks you, you know, what was the first move on a TRX? Today, we call it the power pole because ah, it is grabbing yes. with one hand, leaning this away, way. right? And that is, that was the first move ever done in suspension training and and i just kind of went from there and figured out well, wait a minute if i put the knot in the middle now i could grab two ends and i could do bicep curls and i could do shoulder flies right and i could do rows and then wait a minute could i turn around and do presses well the problem then was i was too close to the door yeah so then i went over and rummaged around in our gearbox 
pulled out this this spool of of webbing that we would use to repair it. We used for all kinds of stuff. You know, I mean, that's like one of the dirty little secrets that you know, you know special ops guys all know is that with a with a spool of webbing, a, a roll of riggers tape, and some 550 cord, you can conquer the world. And so, <laughs> you know, I went over and cut about six feet of of webbing off, tied it in the middle of of the jujitsu belt, and then tied a knot in the end of the webbing, and all of a sudden. I had, you know, five feet of standoff from the door. Now I could turn around and I could do presses and flies and tricep extensions. And it just went from there. That's so cool. So like I said, so simple and often duplicated or replicated or uh, imitated, but never duplicated, right? Exactly. Often imitated, never duplicated. Yeah. So P.S. about that, like. Do you guys have issues with that? Because I know for a fact there's many other products out there that are suspension trainers. I'm using air quotes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, we well, so technically there are none of, that are suspension trainers because what people don't know is that's a that's a trademark, registered trademark ah. right, of, of TRX. So you won't you you know, you won't see that. You'll see people calling themselves a variety of things, you know. And hey, as long as as long as my you know, my feelings about that is as long as somebody is not infringing a patent, yeah. right? or a trademark, well, okay, that's fair game, right? If you're, if, as long as you're not doing one of those two things, coming up with, with a product that you think can compete, that's part of our capitalist system. So I don't have any, ever any problem with, with honest, honorable competitors, right? The, what I have a problem with are the parasites who want to skip. They were the bullies that cut in front of the line. They're the jack that fly past everybody on the freeway and then cut over at the last minute, you know, because <laughs> they, they don't have to, they don't view themselves as having to do any of the work. They just want to steal the spoils. Right. And there's a whole ecosystem of, of, of folks like that. A lot of them, unfortunately coming out of develop the developing world because they don't have the same sense of intellectual property that we do. Intellectual property is a relatively recent concept, right? Only the last, 150, 200 years, even in the West. And up until very recently, that was not even a thing in most of Asia, right? Yeah. It was just like, what? If I can make it, I can sell it. And yeah. so, yeah. you know, it's easy to get righteously indignant about this stuff, but occasionally I have to remind myself, hey, there is a cultural construct to intellectual property that if you don't come from a Western culture in which intellectual property is embraced, then you know it's not necessarily that you're scum it just could be that you are you know misunderstanding yeah, uh, the, the modern that. rules of conduct and and so so the only time when we get you know our ire gets up is when somebody's infringing a patent or trying to use our trademark to say they're us right to sell oh. kind of a knockoff that's that's where we that's where we flex and have flexed successfully you know a few few times over the years that's fair. Yeah. Wow. And, and I love that. I love the, the way that you uh, frame that up too, because uh, culturally we're, we're also different, diverse around the world. And we can't just take our mindset and our background and our filter and apply it, uh, you know, universally. So very patient of you, uh, probably <laughs> a little more patient than I would be. So good well, for you. I'm more patient uh, publicly talking to you here than I have experienced internally. <laughs> If I'm being totally truthful, right? I'm trying to be culturally sensitive, but you know, there's a lot of times when I would like to bring out my skill set from previous career and bring it to bear, and 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 I talk myself off the ledge. 
Oh, I love it. I love it. So, you know, Randy, going back, obviously, you know, where it started with the jujitsu belt, and then you mentioned going to business school and so forth. I would suspect that at that point, you kind of started to consider yourself or, or looking back, consider yourself an entrepreneur. What is something that you wish you knew in the early stages of being a quote unquote entrepreneur? Wow, there's a long list of those things, which is part of the journey, right? It, it really is. I mean, that's why, like, people who've heard me talk before, you know, I usually, I usually will pull in a riff on failure and the fact that I don't, I just don't believe in it, right? I, I do not believe in that construct. I think it's, I think it's a false construct that, that puts arbitrary and really imaginary limits on people's creativity and, and their, their energy and their effort and what they think they might become because they're quote unquote fear of failure, right? Well, like what the hell is failure when you think about it, really? It's, it's like, it's some version of reality that doesn't fully meet your expectation. Sure. Well, geez, I can only think of about 10,000 of those things that happen in my life, right? And so if I viewed every one of them as a failure, like I'd be paralyzed with self-doubt. I mean, I, I sort of look at that stuff as, as um, all steps along a path that's taking you someplace better than where you are today, right? And mm -hmm. it's better because presumably if you're paying attention, you're not going to make the same mistakes. Yeah, you learn something. And, and, and you're never going to view a mistake as failure. You're going to view it as an opportunity to learn and be better. And if you don't, you know, the old saying, nothing ventured, nothing gained is true. If, if, you, if you're not willing to step out and take a risk, you're going nowhere. And when you take risks, by definition, it's risky because some things are going to work and others aren't. Yeah. And so like the life becomes this process of, you know, testing, evaluating, adjusting, retesting. And that's like how we go through life. Think about it. It's our relationships, right? Like is, is divorce a failure? Like, no, it's a disappointment, but presumably this the next time you do it, you do it better. Right. And, and yeah. if you screw things up a second time, hopefully they're different screw ups, right? Not the same ones. But so, so that's one of the things that like, you know, I wish I had been a little, I fortunately was, was kind of, I don't know, um, foolish, old, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, um, in, kind of impervious to the idea that if I fall short, it's debilitating. So I never really was too concerned about failure, but that's something that I think young entrepreneurs really need to have in their mind. It's like, I mean, the younger you are, the more true it is because the older you get, you know, the fewer, the fewer rounds you have left in <laughs> In, in your fight, right? Like uh, that's just a reality that like becoming an entrepreneur at 80, you know, you're not going to have as many opportunities as somebody who becomes an entrepreneur at 20. Sure, and, sure. and so I think the younger you are, man, failure does not even exist. It's just learning. It's just testing. Right. And, and then the, the older you get, okay, well now you have to be a little bit more considerate of the risks that you take both because you don't want to undermine any of the, of the work that you've done by doing something that's patently foolish or careless or hurtful or, you know, um, and, you know, you should be aware that you have a little bit fewer, your option set gets narrower as, as the decades pass, right? So that's the only thing I would say to entrepreneurs that are a little older is like, all right, be judicious 
in the risks that you take because you might not have as many opportunities to stumble and get back up as somebody does in their 20s or their 30s. But man, if I'm a 20 something or a 30 something year old entrepreneur, like I don't even I don't even have the word failure in my vocabulary at that point. And that's something that, you know, that kind of I wish I had had the clarity when I first started this venture that I have today because I think it's liberating. Right. And it and it lets you be be bold and maybe be the best version of yourself rather than something slightly less than that, because you're afraid to get too close to the edge of, of what might lead to failure, you know, because it's just failure is just a bullshit construct that doesn't really exist. It's time for another ISSA rapid review. Jennifer J had this to say about our CBT course. The student service is great. The payment options made it really easy for me to kickstart my dream of being a personal trainer. The study guides and the quizzes are really helpful too. Thanks, Jennifer. So thinking of that, like the fits and starts that come along with it, the risk, all that stuff that you mentioned, how did that affect you as you started your newest venture, Outfit? Well, so as if, and thank you for that uh, softball, Jenny, because uh, <laughs> as, as if to continue on that point, look, I'm not the same guy today that I was when I started TRX. And I started TRX as a not a super young guy because I'd spent 14 years as a SEAL before that, right? Mm -hmm. So so I started TRX at about 37. Um, and I, I viewed it at the time like, all right, I got one shot at an entrepreneurial startup and then it'll either work and it'll become you know my life's work or it won't work and then I'll still have time to go get a respectable job, right? With a, <laughs> yeah. with a, big, with a big steady company. I mean, I've led large groups of, of people and I, ought to, you know, I got an MBA from Stanford. I ought to be able to, to get a job before, you know, my house gets repossessed. Um, and, and so that's how I viewed it then. I mean, I was wrong in a couple of ways. One, I think I had a lot more opportunities than I realized at the time. I could have made several mistakes and still been just fine. Um, uh, but now I'm considerably older. Right. I'm I've also got, you know, sometimes we get burdened a little bit by our self image. And so I've got like a robust self image of what I accomplished with my teams at TRX. And man, I don't want to I don't want to fail. Like what would that if I failed on this new venture, what would that do to, you know, my legacy, my teams, my brand, my team's legacy? And, you know, that, again, is just like nonsense noise, really, because. What I ended up doing with Outfit is I thought about it for a long time, long time. I mean, I don't know if you guys remember when when we did the TRX on tour, which was a couple for a couple of years. We we tricked out this Sprinter van. This was like 10 years ago and we drove it around the country. So you did Outfit already. <laughs> well, yeah, but, but we did it. We did it. As, it was called TRX on tour. And we it was a brand activation. Right. It was we, we would go and we would support our key accounts if they had a new facility opening and we'd go during the pre-sale and a couple of our master trainers would roll up and for a couple of days they'd do nothing but round the clock classes outdoors right and we'd be showing the prospective new members hey this is what's going to go on inside this gym right and then we would go to like the op pro or the mavericks festival and we'd just run classes for the for the masses and what we saw was like this unbelievable experience for people but 
it was so logistically brutal because it was pre-social media, pre-geolocation, right? So imagine that. I hardly even yeah. remember that. But <laughs> you know, there was no Uber, there was no Instagram. Uh, and and so every event had to be so laboriously set up that after a couple of years, you know, my my marketing team was like, boss, could we please do something else? And and so you know, I said, yeah, that's fine. But I always had this in my head, Jenny, that like, man, what an experience we delivered. And afterward, every time people would come up and be like, hey, can I join this? And then right. trainers would come up and go, are you guys franchising this? Like, could I, could I build my own business doing this? Right. And it was like, well, no, it's just a brand activation, but I like how you think. Right. And I let this percolate over a couple of years. It was, just, I mean, maybe like 10 and about uh, then Uber came, then social media came, right? And at some point, all of a sudden, I was like, wow, maybe this is a great new idea, you know? And, and so uh, I started working on it with, you know, with my new partners. We were trying to decide, are we going to do this inside TRX or do we spin, you know, does this spin out? Because we have so many things going on at TRX. I mean, we've just launched, uh, you know, a huge digital ecosystem that is, you know, is, is I guess I, I would say, if I could be so bold, it's kind of our version of a Peloton-like service, right? Okay. And, and so that has taken enormous, um, you know, an enormous amount of energy, as you, as you can imagine, yeah. and resources. And so ultimately, you know, we made the decision, hey, let's take this idea and do it as a separate venture you know, get that way we're not trying to compete internally with two, with big initiatives that don't necessarily fit together, right? One's a whole, whole digital content play and the other is, you know, a service on the ground, a, a mobile training franchise uh, service. And so, you know, then along came as we were in the midst of this discussion, uh, you guys may have heard this little virus thing came yeah, along. Yeah. Um, and and that just felt to me like wow if if there were ever a sign from the heavens <laughs> that this time has come you know this is it and so um, you know we did a whole bunch of things to try to support our partners in the industry during during the pandemic you know during the heat of the pandemic in 2020 um, you know, we made all of our education uh, digital and free and gave it away, right? I think we got like 30,000 people through our qualification courses during 2020. Um, and, you know, we did some 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 cool stuff um, to try to support our partners. But then in background, I was working furiously to bring this vision of a franchise, um, you know, a mobile training franchise that delivers like you know, group fitness and private training in the great outdoors and in, in inspiring public places like parks and, you know, beachfront parking lots and cul-de-sacs and driveways. And, um, and so now I'm, I'm furiously working with my team on, on outfit. And I, and I will plug, like, if you guys haven't, haven't seen, go, go check out, yeah, give us or give us a follow on, on Instagram at, at outfit training uh, underscore HQ, because you'll see some stuff that's pretty cool. And, and I'd love to talk about like part of the reason why I decided to do it was to help provide an opportunity for trainers to build, you know, careers that they can own rather than just um, my, my, one of my concerns in, in the TRX is to certify like 350,000 
trainers, right? So that's a lot. And watching all of those cats on their journeys, it always felt to me like like the deck was stacked against them in a lot of ways, you know, and a lot of them end up working like, I don't know, like sharecroppers on somebody else's farm for their whole career. And they never are able to build their own equity, their own net worth, right? And so, so you know, I think that there are some things that we're doing there that that are specifically designed to cure those problems. And you guys are interested in what we're talking about. But I'll throw the I'll throw the baton back to you, Jenny, because I know you've uh, you've got a, an agenda that we're going to cover. <laughs> no, no, that's awesome. I think outfit is an amazing concept, and there's been other people. So I used to work for Orange Theory. I loved working at Orange Theory. The members were awesome. I just had you know, whatever. Um, it is what it is. I loved it. But they started doing something like that too, where they would go to, whether it's conferences or to openings for new studios, and they would take a mobile truck where the side came down. And then they could like, they had the treadmills, they had the heart rate monitor screen up there and stuff. And people loved it. And it is something you can do outside. It's mobile, like you said, where you can take it anywhere. Um, and it is a great opportunity because it's a lower barrier of entry as far as the finances that would be required in order to- um, to, to start up something like this versus starting a gym. Like, I don't know how many people in the last 15 years have asked me, do you want to open your own gym? Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> like, it's, no. Well, yeah, because that's the, the challenge is that a lot of times trainers will get a great following. Trainers are group or group instructors. And, you know, most most folks that are good group instructors do some personal training and and many personal trainers do some group training. And so, you know, they'll build a great following but then they get annoyed by the fact that like, okay, I'm working at a gym and they're taking half of my, of, of my, um, you know, my revenue that's coming in. And that's a lot. Um, and then eventually a lot of them make this decision, which many times is, is kind of fatal to, all right, I'm going to go open my own place. And the thing that people don't realize when they do that is that, you know, the magic that you were delivering as a trainer is, is rare and unique. That's a set of yeah. talents that are not common. And so, there's the similar analogous set of uh, skills that it takes to, to start a business, like a brick and mortar business. And generally they're not the same, right? They, and so sometimes jumping into a brick and mortar ends up meaning that you spend all your time trying to build and manage and market this business. Not and as a result, you're not delivering the magic to the members that only you can deliver. And the business ends up failing because it's got too much overhead not enough revenue and, you know, they get stuck and it ends up being a big catastrophe. And that's one of the things that, you know, we were trying to solve with this model is to lower the cost of entry to such a point that, that there's really a minimum amount of financial risk and not much bureaucracy, right? Because it's kind of an owner operator model. Um, and so if you're going to have a staff, maybe you have one assistant you yeah. know, or two yeah. assistants who you don't want to, you don't want to be, teaching every class. So you have some assistants that can plug into the, ca into the calendar too, but yeah, it's, it's a little bit like an Uber model. Yeah. And I really like, I really like what you just said though, Randy. And I want to point that out to our listeners, like the fact that we have a certain magic, right? We have a certain way of presenting things. We have a certain way of connecting with our people that are our clients, the people that we train. I do a lot of youth sports conditioning and it's anywhere from 15 to 60 girls at once or 60 people at once. Um, same thing when I worked in group fitness and to find assistance, 
like even just that one assistant who I'm like, they can deliver at least 80% of what I'm looking for, right? As if it was me doing it is so hard. And it's not to say that like, I know everything there is to know, but like, I feel like these are my babies. Like, I don't want to just entrust them to anybody, right? Yeah, well, you've got your, like, I can, you know, I can, you can read your energy, right? And I'll, I'll presume expertise in like the, the programs that you're designing. But like those are two very unique skill sets, right? The ability to design a, a cool and effective program mm-hmm. and then the ability to deliver it with the right kind of energy and mojo and personality and care, right? That's just very hard to duplicate. And, yeah. and the last thing I would want, if you and I were business partners, last thing I want is you spending a bunch of time hammering your head against a, a bunch of like accounting and bureaucracy and, you know, regulation and legal crap like that's not your wheelhouse because i can either i can do that or i can find somebody to do that but nobody else can do what you the piece that you have wired right and and that's that's the thing that i think trainers always need to be really aware of is if you're going to go into a business partner with somebody who's got all the stuff that you don't yeah right and and that way that person can handle the accounting and the lease and the, and the, you know, the digital marketing and, and all the crap that it takes to promote the business where you can focus on delivering a magical experience. Because if you deliver a magical experience, your business is always going to grow. It may have its fits and starts, but it's always going to go up and to the right. If you can't, it's dead in the water. You might as well not bother, right? Because it's not going anywhere. If, if that customer isn't delighted, it doesn't matter how buttoned down all the rest of your stuff is behind the curtain. Like, because yeah. the customers won't come and they won't tell friends and your goose is cooked. <laughs> well, and, and Randy, on that note, I mean, you're talking about, you know, delivering an experience on top of your expertise. Uh, you, you made uh, talking about uh, outfit and the coaches, trainers and their skill set. You mentioned trainers in a club, leaving a club, wanting to go out on their own. So around, you know, a lot of our listeners are personal trainers slash coaches in your experience, what is the biggest mistake you see new personal trainers making in the industry? Well, I think I think probably the biggest mistake is having too short term a view of where they're headed. And, and here's what I mean by this. Like being a trainer is is a cool job, right? It's rewarding. And, and I, I can almost think of no one in my experience that I've met who didn't come in with all the right instincts right? Who came in for the right reasons. They like to help people. They love fitness. You know, they're, they, they feel good at it. They like sports. Maybe they came up as athletes. Like all of that is great stuff. The challenge is that you have to be able to look out, you know, in the future and see like, all right, where do I want to be? Not just five years from now, but maybe as far as 10 years from now. And, and that, that's probably the biggest mistake, Dan, that, that, like I see trainers make is they, they get into it because it sounds cool and fun and it is right in your twenties. The challenge is a lot of that cool and fun, you know, there is an element of like familiarity breeds contempt, right? When you do it, not tens or dozens of times, but thousands of times, yeah. it now starts to lose a bit of its luster, you know, just on its own. And then you compound on top of that well, how much money do I maybe want to make 10 years from now? And the problem with training is that unless you are very, very deliberate in how you plan 
to cultivate your brand, how you plan to become differentiated. And then the third key piece is how do you plan to scale yourself, yes. right? You're going to run into a ceiling and, and it just is simple math, right? How many hours in a day do you have to train and what's the max you can charge? Yeah. The max that anybody can realistically plan on charging is a hundred bucks an hour. Now I understand, yes, there are people who make more than that. I can count them on like two hands, right? And on top of that, it's, it's even, even then, all right, maybe you can do 150 an hour. There's still only maybe if you really are willing to kill yourself eight training hours in a day. Yeah. Because, and, and even that's a lot when you consider. Thank you for pointing that out. I tell new trainers that all the lot. time. They're like, oh, like, I'm going to work an eight hour day. I was like, if you train for eight hours a day, you are going to die in like a month. You're going to die. <laughs> exactly. So, so where I was going is realistically, most trainers shouldn't do more than six sessions a day. Right. Because you got time in between, you got, you got a break because otherwise you start becoming a shell of yourself. By the end of the day, that person's not getting your best and they, and they don't deserve less than your best, right? Just because they scheduled you in the evening rather than the morning. So like, you know, that's the challenge. That's the mistake that I see trainers making is they come into the industry and they don't, they don't do the math and sort of think through, well, where's this taking me? And so as a result of them, a lot of them, you know, we have a massive exodus of trainers at 30, yes. right? When they hit 30, because they partner up, right? It's fine when you're like 24 and all you need is like beer money and, you know, <laughs> you're renting with four other guys or gals and it's all like, yeah, it's like, it's, it's all about the social scene and all you need is a little bit of money to live that. Okay. Well then eventually you catch one of those, one of the prey that you're chasing, right? And you partner up. And now, and then you just, a kid comes along. Okay. Well, now it's a whole different game because now you have a mortgage instead of 25% of, 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 a, of an apartment's rent. You've got a kid, you've got a husband or a wife, right? And, and all of a sudden making, you know, whatever, 30 grand a year, it sounded cool when you were in your 20s. But in your 30s, that's not enough, right? And and that's where people start to run into, uh-oh, like, what do I do now? And they either end up going into club management, which not that there's anything wrong with that, but it wasn't a lot of trainers dream to be a, a club management person. Um, or what happens too often is they bolt the industry, right? They go get a job at, you know, T-Mobile or wh wherever they think that they can you know, make a decent living. And then the industry loses that, that like spirit, that fire, that expertise and the, and the, 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 the clients of the world lose that talent that was going to help transform their lives. And I think with a little bit of deliberate planning, you know, trainers can do better as a career by cultivating a brand, figuring out how they're going to scale themselves, whether it's digitally or whether it's through, you know, a, a creating their own business that, that can be duplicated and scaled. Um, so anyway, it's a long answer to a short question, but I, but I think it's worth, cause I see it over and over and over and over and over and over. Mm -hmm. And, and I see bad outcomes over and over and over. And, and I think that, you know, some more deliberate career planning is, is a very good thing for a young trainer to do. Yeah. Well, speaking of the attributes that somebody should have and like the things that they should be thinking about, we know as a veteran yourself, you support hiring veterans, not to say they're better than anybody else, but what do veterans bring to the table, especially in fitness that makes them a little bit more 
successful, essentially. You know, vets, vets, well, first they come up through a tradition of fitness because that's part of military culture, right? Sure. And so they, they kind of understand it. They understand the camaraderie. There are, for people who have been, you know, in military units, like they will all tell you like, yeah, man, I can close my eyes and I can remember that experience of being out on the grinder with, with my team, you know, at 5 a.m. doing, you know, a workout. And, and so they get that. They all come with an incredible reservoir of accountability, which in my experience in the civilian world, that is not something that is in deep supply often. It, it can be something that you struggle to build into a team because, you know, too many people are, are all, they're, they're willing to grab credit when something goes well, but no one's willing to own the, the things that yeah. didn't go so well. And so that's come with like ironclad accountability and they tend to be super resourceful because when you're deploying, you know, out of your comfort zone and out of your country, you have to become really resourceful at figuring things out. You know, you can make you, you MacGyver solutions out of things. And so think about that. You're, you're building a business. Who, who would you rather have than someone who comes in who's been steeped in team building and teamwork, accountability? They, they're, they have a code of conduct and an honorable uh, tradition that they want to continue to uphold, and they're resourceful as a coyote. Like, I'll take that person, right? Yeah, that's Ten fair. times out of ten. And, and, you know, speaking of MacGyvering something out of what's available, I, love I heard this story that, once about this guy that, that created a piece of equipment of, out right. of the idea of, of a jujitsu belt. It's crazy. Right. That's so, when you uh, were telling us that story, that's literally what I was thinking. I was like, MacGyver. He's like MacGyver. And yes. young enough, if you don't know who MacGyver is, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, go look it up. <laughs> you might be young, right. but you might just be young. So that might be no fault of yours. But yeah, oh, look at MacGyver because that was a pretty cool show and he could make anything out of anything, which fortunately for me, I came up with a dad that was very MacGyver-esque, man. Like this guy who could fix freaking anything. And it, and he just, I, he made me suffer, you know, out there endlessly holding a flashlight every, every night for him. So he could, you know, work with his hands on whatever it was. But I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen the, the newest creation that the team and I came up with at TRX, but the bandits, which are just crushing it. The bandits started with me looking at these strength bands that we sell going, why don't I or any of our coaches use these? I like just why? Like we sell them and they, they seem to be everywhere. And then I, I reached out to some of my buddies like Gunnar Peterson, Harley Pasternak. Say, hey, like, do you guys use bands? Eh, little, you know, like what do you use them for? Oh, one or two things. So I ended up going, well, you know what? I'm going to figure out why. And what I found out was that strength bands, a lot of people don't know what they can do with them. Right. Because sure. they haven't seen a lot of programming on them. But more importantly, the experience kind of sucks. Like you put it in your hand and the heavier the band, the more it's true. It doesn't feel good. Right. It's yeah. not. There's it doesn't no feel right. Yeah. It doesn't feel right. There's no it's hard to load evenly. It rips at your skin, you know. And so I sat down with my hacksaw, cut a foot long piece of PVC water pipe, took my router in my little uh, product design area in my garage routed a groove down the middle of it and then cut it in half and then went, hmm, what happens when I pop this over any size strength band? Oh my goodness. What happens is it creates a stable platform that rotates, right? And 
So all of the problems of a strength band get solved. And I sat down with our product design engineer and said, all right, let's take this sort of, you know, MacGyver goofy like concept and turn it into something that, you know, won't cut through the band that is right scale for, for the average palm that has some, some design features. And, you know, this stupid, simple like thing is, is the hottest selling thing at TRX these days. And I think for trainers, you should look at it. I'm not just plugging the product. I think it's like a tool that for almost, you know, very little money can add huge utility to what you're able to do with your clients with strength bands. And I've become this huge strength band fan 20 years into my fitness career as a result of, of just kind of this simple, like silly MacGyvered thing. There's a theme for you, Randy. You like to take the simple and like put it into action, make it happen, MacGyver it, and then sell it. And that's awesome. Like all of your ideas have been so simple. And it's like mind blowing to me that you were the first person to come up with it. Like what? I don't know whether that makes me, I'm not sure whether that makes me a genius or a fool. I don't know. One or the other. Uh, Definitely genius. uh, (laughs) I don't know. Because it's one of those things you go build something new back to where we started, right? About failure. You got to be willing to hang it out there. And, and somebody might tell you that your baby's ugly. And if, and if they do, you can't take, you can't get all defensive and say, like, you just don't get it. You have to go, well, clearly I'm not articulating what I think is so special about this idea well enough. So I got to go back to the drawing board and I got to do a better job telling my story. Right. And, um, and if you just keep, keep at it with that mindset, you know, you know, you can avoid getting bitter and you can avoid being self delusional that, you know, nobody else gets it. You're the only one smart enough to get it. Cause that is in, in my experience, never the case. Well, this has been amazing, Randy. I'm, I, I'm sure Jenny would agree that we could, we could listen to you and ask questions oh, and learn yeah. from you for hours. Uh, <laughs> I think we're very honored and, and very fortunate to have been able to have some of your time today. Uh, it's about time to wrap up, but before we do, um, are there parting thoughts, whether it's advice to a coach, advice to an entrepreneur, uh, certainly how people can learn more about uh, TRX outfit. I think everybody knows what TRX is, but uh, you know, anything new, you already plugged uh, your newest product outfit, anything you'd like uh, our listeners to know or understand how to best find you and what you're doing. Yeah. Well, so to find, I mean, I, so I don't want to forget that. So to, to, to learn more about TRX, right, follow us at TRX Training on any of the platforms. And the, the website is trxtraining.com. Um, outfit at Outfit Training underscore HQ um, on Instagram and OutfitTraining.com at the URL. Um, for me, it's at Randy Hetrick. And, you know, and I, I, uh, I do like all kinds of fun stuff on my, on my channels. And I'm, I'm going to start kind of sharing more of the, of the screw ups that have happened in my, you know, that I've, that I've things that I've screwed up because I really get some satisfaction out of sharing my screw ups so that maybe somebody else doesn't make the same mistakes. I mean, it was already made. We might as well learn and share the lessons. So that's kind of, you know, on my, on my channels, I'm going to start doing more of that. Um, I, you know, I think one thing that, that I would offer as a piece of advice and and anybody who's wondering like why I've got this like, terrible gray shaggy bad goatee right now um it's about to become a terrible uh, handlebar mustache for movember and <laughs> you know the 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 point that i think is is i'd like to make is always remember that if you can do some stuff that's 
good that, that doesn't necessarily directly, you know, generate revenue. It, it, it's not a direct payoff, but it's either mentoring, you know, uh, you can mentor people in the industry, you can mentor youth, you can support a variety of causes. Like I've always really made that a part of my brands and a part of my my own personal practices is like, I, I, I'm not, I don't know, I'm not very superstitious. I'm not very religious, but I do sort of have a sense that like there is an element of karma in the universe. And when you, you know, if you're constantly trying to give of yourself in some way, that's not, you know, it's not terribly distracting to you. It doesn't take, you know, a, a huge amount of your resources, but it takes some energy and it takes some some initiative um, and maybe a little bit of, of creativity. You can find ways to add value. And when you do that over the course of a couple decades, I, I now have lived long enough to be able to say this with certainty, like you you build that into your brand in a way that the, the benefits are incalculable. I mean, they're so, you know, everything I try to do, I end up getting so much more out of it, though that's not my intent. And so like, you know, anybody who follows me has seen me working with blind people it's with, with and some of the blind organizations that support the blind because it turns out the trx suspension trainer is like the best tool for blind people ever who knew um you know doing things like movember because doing supporting breast cancer issues things like that they're not nuisances and they're not frivolous they're they're things that make you feel good about yourself your team feel good about itself and then your clients will love you all the more for it right and they'll for, they'll 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 believe you're worth more they'll forgive you for mistakes you make right and so that would be the one piece of advice i think i would i would leave leave with your viewers is just you know make time to do some good for the world you know well said we need that last sentence right there jenny that, <laughs> i know that's right? the one that's hey, i'm a steal if i didn't have a little blue language in this people would they'd be yeah, disappointed. that's right <laughs> i love it i love it Yes. Well, thank you so much again, Randy, for joining us. Thank you for sharing your story and good luck with not only that uh, outfit, but TRX Trading Club, your new online platform. Indeed. And and right now, like the great time, everybody can go try the training club. We got like all kinds of free, you know, opportunities. So go check it out at no cost because um, it won't always be that way, but uh, right now it is. So thank yes. you guys. Thank I enjoyed you. it. I, I loved the tag team. That was fun. And um you know, I'll come back anytime you want me to come back. And I'm always happy to share all the potholes that I've fallen into, but live to climb out of. There I definitely go. see a part two, Jenny. I definitely see a five or three or four, but uh, <laughs> certainly a sequel. Like it's going to end up being like a uh, Rambo, right? I mean, we just keep going with it. Just keep going. <laughs> just keep Rambo. I'll get grayer, older, but hopefully wiser. <laughs> Right. What, but no, Rocky and Rambo both got more yoked as the, the, the sequels came along. So it just got better and better. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I... <laughs> all right, guys. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And I wish uh, you and all of your viewers the best of luck. I think coming out of this pandemic, there's going to be all kinds of opportunities. So yeah. don't believe anybody that tells you otherwise because it's not true. For and, sure. Make uh, your own path. Wish, yep. Make your own path and much, much success. Thank you, Randy. Thank you so much. And thank you guys for listening. We will be talking to you guys soon. And as always, we like to leave you with our kind words of advice. Make good choices. We'll be talking to you soon.